Hey everyone, I'm Dan Cortler, the host of TED Climate. Each episode, we unpack the problems and solutions of climate change. This season of the show, we're getting into some big ideas that make us optimistic about the future, like meat grown from cells and leather made from mushrooms. And the best part? We look at how building a greener future can be an upgrade instead of a sacrifice. Find and follow TED Climate wherever you're listening to this. This is a CBC Podcast. It's wonderful. It's beautiful. We are just past the blue moment and the sky is so beautiful with this all dark shades of blue. It's about minus 17, minus 20. I'm not sure. I didn't check exactly. That dude loves biking. <laughs> That's Pekka Takala, and he's in Finland. We're going to come back to him a little later, but the question we're asking today is... How can we enjoy biking more and driving less? I'm Rohit Joseph, a journalist who's hoping to try and stop the planet from blowing up. And I'm Johanna Wagstaff, meteorologist who needs to see five more shades of blue like that guy. And on this this episode of 10 Minutes to Save the Planet... We're looking at how to change our driving habits and how that can have a big impact on climate change. We actually know the steps we need to take to solve climate change. The UN has 10 of them, and driving less happens to be on that list. So we tend to suck at making these uh, suggested actions happen. And the reason is our brains are not really wired to do that. Yeah, we are creatures of habit through and through. So we're going to take on this challenge with you, but with the help of an expert in human behavior. We're not doing this on our own. I'm Jiaying Zhao, but I go by Jay-Z. I'm a professor of psychology and sustainability at the University of British Columbia. Uh, For the past 10 years, I've been working on behavior change. So I'm trying to get people to do the things that are not only good for the planet, but also good for themselves. What is it that can make us actually love to do things that help the planet? So let's take my love of biking. I didn't always bike to work. In fact, for many years, I bust and I wasn't a big fan of having to take public (laughs) transit. When I got to, you know, uh, fall in love with biking, it turns out it was the exercise. It made me feel good. And a lot of it also happened to be going to a place that was flatter. Victoria, a lot smaller, a lot flatter. That helped a lot. I got to tell you, it's been the opposite for me. I was a biker for so much of my life. Downtown Toronto, like picture this, Johanna in a sundress, flowers in her basket, biking (laughs) to work every day, moved to Vancouver, traded that for the rain pants, commuted for eight years, and then Roeth, a couple years ago, I moved. And it's just a bit too far to bike. I've gone from like hardcore to nothing. And I know I feel I feel a lot of feelings about that. Well, that's the thing. It's not actually that easy depending on where you live. Mm -hmm. And our behavior expert, she gets that. Driving, unfortunately, is the most convenient thing in North America. So most cities here uh, are built for cars, unfortunately. And public transit is not great. So I think a lot depends on the infrastructure. Biking, walking, working from home. These are the alternatives to, to driving. 
If you can take the bus with public transit, great. Jay-Z said it. There are so many roadblocks that are out of our control. You know, everything from infrastructure, distance, cost, time. Uh, let me tell you how, how things have changed since having a kid, uh, mm. you know, to the weather. These are things that we don't have control over. You mentioned rain pants earlier. And for a long time, I thought part of being a cyclist in places like Vancouver or the West Coast in general involved having to be in full lycra, that <laughs> material that you see that's super skin tight. So I hot. Like, <laughs> I don't like wearing skin tight things in general. <laughs> Just saying. And also having like a carbon fiber bike and look at me, I'm going so fast, I'm zooming away. And none of that appealed to me. None we, of that appealed to me. <laughs> we are so hardcore here. I think we need to take a moment to acknowledge that Vancouverites are ridiculously hardcore. Like, your Lycra also has to be a singlet <laughs> <laughs> out here on the West Coast. It's, it's tough. It's intimidating. But it doesn't have to be that way, Joe. It really doesn't. Um, well, remember that quirky Finnish guy we heard earlier? Oh, yeah. That's Pekka Takala. He's an urban planning consultant. Of course, as you heard there, he loves biking. And he was biking in one of the coldest places to do that. It's Olu, Finland. It's near the Arctic Circle. And Pekka makes a good point, which is in many places around the world, we just used to bike as the default. We have always had the culture and we just didn't let it die completely. It did go down seriously here as well. We are a car-infested suburban hellscape with decent bicycle infrastructure. This guy is literally the Werner Herzog of biking. <laughs> Imagine a world with no bikes, with no happiness, with no hope. Like, this is the guy that's going to make us change. <laughs> okay, but for real, though, this city, Olu, committed to biking. They put in the infrastructure, and keep in mind, this is not a place that's, you know, Amsterdam-like. It's also sprawled out suburban style, hmm. like many Canadian and American cities. And once they put in that infrastructure, thousands of trips by bike were happening, even in the winter. And there are cities around the world that are making that happen. In fact, they're trying to do it so that you don't have to own a bike. Here's Mia Kohot, the manager of Moby Bike Share in Vancouver. It is very, very convenient to have a bike when you want it, when you need it. So if you're going out to visit friends, you're like, oh, it's just a quick bike ride there. But then you decide it's raining. So you want to you want to take an Uber or a taxi home. The convenience of the one way trips is a big, big um, benefit to people. And then the other one is bike theft. There is a lot of bike theft in Vancouver. And, you know, you don't want to bring your nice fancy bike downtown and park it on the street for, for hours on end. So some pretty, uh, you know, relevant points there. Yeah, for I can relate. On, <laughs> for people on the West Coast. But, you know, to your point earlier, Johanna, when you mentioned when you moved, it became a lot harder. I mean, I know the place that you moved to is in a very, very hilly area. Yes. And this is where the magic of e-bikes comes in. E-bikes are usually ridden at least two times more than a regular bike. So it's just, just a trend that's making cycling more accessible and more, it's like you hesitate because you weren't sure you were going to, you want to get on your bike because you're like, oh, I might, I might get sweaty or it's a bit too far. E-bikes eliminates that and it just makes you want to ride way more often. It's way more fun. 
It is way more fun. And I've got to tell you, Roth, I went to such great lengths to return to my biker status in, in recent months. We have <laughs> one of the incentive programs we have here, and I can't believe I'm giving away all of my secrets, is you could trade in your beater car for an e-bike. Mm. So I actually bought a $500 beater car. Um, because we needed a car for our kid, <laughs> drove it for six months. Like it was an end of life car here. Um, and then <laughs> traded it in for a brand new fancy e-bike. And Ooh. I'm still, again, I'm still trying to figure out how to integrate it into my life, but it is way more fun, especially on those hills. I got to say. People are probably listening, being like, all right, I've heard about biking uh, and I've heard about these bike share programs. How do these little programs and, and these little changes with biking actually add up when it comes to the massive problem of climate change. I've got some mad stats for you here. So for most countries, transportation is the biggest problem when it comes to global emissions. But this really blew me away. 10% of the world's population makes up 80% of kilometers driven in cars. So most people around the world are not driving at all. Hmm. You know, that really does add up, at least in my personal experience, when I've gone back to India to visit family, when I've gone to places in Asia like that are very densely populated. Most people don't own a car. They're not driving. And it's either A, because they can't afford to, or B, because the traffic is so bad anyways. So for a lot of people, they can't drive. And, and this does mean that if you are a driver right now, you can have the biggest personal impact by just making some small changes. So this is a U.S. study, but there's a lot to take away from this. This study found that if everyone drove just 10% less, so they're not asking you to get rid of your cars, just drive 10% less, that would be the equivalent in the U.S. of taking almost 30 coal power plants offline in a year. So Damn. it's the little things. It's the low-hanging fruit of just short eliminating the shorter rides. And this is where our behavioral scientist Jay-Z comes in. Have a buddy group that you somebody that you bike with or walk with or take the bus with. So you can turn those moments into socializing. So one thing I've been doing is I, I, I drive to work, <laughs> but I try to carpool as much as I can. So I drive my friends and colleagues uh, and because carpooling turns those awful, dreadful minutes behind the wheel into socializing. And we know that you know, from psychology studies, the more time we spend with friends and family, the happier we feel. I feel like that was my experience with walking to school. I used to love walking the longer way just so I could join my friends. <laughs> That's so for you. Slurpees. I mean, slur <laughs> slurpees are hard to resist, Johanna. Come on. Yeah, I'd add, I'd add an extra couple K on for a Slurpee. <laughs> and imagine the playlist potential with multiple people in a car. The takeaway for me is to try and take my bike on weekends. Take the bike, the e-bike that I went to such great lengths to get to take my kid to the park. Bundle that with a trip to the grocery store. It's going to be about the weekend short trips for me. I can do it. And that's it, folks. That's been 10 Minutes. I'm Rohit Joseph. I'm Johanna Wagstaff. You've been listening to 10 Minutes to Save the Planet from CBC Podcasts. The show is written and hosted by Rohit Joseph and me, Johanna Wagstaff. Our producer is Teresa Lalonde. Sound design by Jill Constantine. Fabiola Carletti is our digital coordinating producer with assistance by Sean Lloyd. Our managing producer is Damon Fairless. Executive producers are Cecil Fernandez and Chris Oak. Tanya Springer is the senior manager of CBC Podcasts. And Arif Nurani is the director.
For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.